Welcome to Counterbalance Conversations, the show that engages your imagination with discussions about emerging topics and stories of healing, change-making, resilience, and passion. Here is your host, Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Counterbalance Conversations. I am here this evening with my guest host, Rachel Keck. She is a workplace culture coach and consultant. She is um, she has training in the fields of psychology, sociology, and spiritual direction. She brings a wealth of experience and curiosity to both individuals and how those individuals create a collective. She founded Mosaic Col- Collaborative as a resource for leaders who are responsible for workplace culture as well as service to those that nurture clients and customers of service-based businesses. Rachel believes authentic customer service starts with people practicing authenticity and authentic connection can change the world in a positive way because she sees it happen every day. And Rachel, I think that is (laughs) such a great bio and such a great lead in for you. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. I feel like it's the eve of a major holiday is how I'm feeling today. (laughs) Yes, you are so excited. Um, Did you want to share your news early in the show or do you want to let everyone wait for just a little bit? It's up to you. Some teaser, some teaser. It is a big day tomorrow. I've worked months for tomorrow to happen. Um, So finally, my book is being released. Tomorrow, so fantastic ebook format. I know. I'm so. I mean, you know. So I started in April Mm -hmm. with book interviews, and um, it's just it has been so fun. I can't believe people spend years writing books. I don't. I couldn't. That's not my mo. Uh, My mo is months. Right. (laughs) And you had a really aggressive writing schedule from what you were telling me. Yes. And so your initial, you were going to write a book between April and October and have it published (laughs) and to market and edited and all the things uh, done. And um, well, I I understand that I'm kind of that same, (laughs) same speed as well. And then I go, oh, there's all these other things you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. So you first time is an ordeal. But you know what? You've navigated it so beautifully. I've been watching you on your LinkedIn page and you have uh, we were talking before the show and you said you advise somebody just if you're writing a book, bring people with you. So why don't you share with the audience how you brought you know, your colleagues and your connections and people like myself along with you on this journey of writing and developing your book? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what's really interesting as you ask that question, Melissa, is that it's also what I believe about workplace culture, that you start with talking to people and asking questions and being curious and gathering input. So that's, that's what I did is the first from really April to, um, the end of June, I did book interviews. I talked to as many people as I could at the intersection of customer service and workplace culture and just really asked, you know, what, when things are going really well, what does it look like? 
and what what barriers are in the way, what keeps you up at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and it I I it was so much fun. I thought I don't even know if I need to write a book because having all these conversations are so much fun. Um, but I did. I I kind of ended that interview phase come July and began began to really hone in on what what this book needed to be, but all along the way, inviting people to, you know, what, what resonates with you, what titles resonate with you, what, what covers resonate with you. Yes. Um, and just asking people. And then, and then, you know, you ask enough that then it's almost like the universe then brings things to you. So my editor, I just happened to connect with this amazing editor um, right. Who, who really, I, I had a blog post, honestly, to begin with, and he pulled the threads to just, you know, really help me expand and deepen on things that, right. that really mattered. So was there one moment during the, the process that you said, oh, okay, this is a thread that really needed to be pulled. And this is, mm-hmm. was there one or two like nuggets of information that really, made you say yes you said earlier you weren't sure if you loved doing the interview you weren't sure if you needed to write the book mm-hmm. was there one or two things that really when he pulled the thread you said yes I absolutely do have to write the book well you know when he started asking questions and it just the the like response spilled out I mm-hmm. thought um that there is more here than, than what I'm alluding to, but, but I'll tell you what super surprised me is that I ended up writing about integrity too, in this book, which Mm -hmm. was not on my radar at all. Like I was going to write a book about authenticity and connection. And, um, because what, what came from the interviews is that regardless of how great your culture is, um, regardless of how great your leadership is, mm-hmm. you're still working with human beings. And human beings, right. we have, you know, these limitations and we have these stories that we make up. And, you know, we we unknowingly create things that then we have to uncreate. And so regardless of how great things are, you still have human beings in your workplace. You're still a human being. And so... Um, yeah, so I so I knew authenticity was was part of it, but this integrity piece really really surprised me. Yeah. And um how deep did you go into or was there something in particular about integrity that you know really said okay, this has to be in there just the human being portion and um people doing what they say they're going to do and when they're going to do it and how they're going to do it. Um, is there something, uh, some other pieces to that? Yeah, I mean, what what the integrity piece really evolved out of is that, um, so so the book is around customer service mm-hmm. and how how we really show up and, and give the best service and how we create workplace cultures that support offering the best service. And yes. so as I talked about, as I, you know, was writing about authenticity and, you know, really authenticity to me is just really showing up as yourself and making choices to be showing more and more real. Um, I, 
I started writing about and, and kind of, you know, noticing with clients how a lot of times there's policies and procedures and, and, you know, different structures, um, workflows that prevent people from being authentic, which then becomes an integrity issue. Because now if I can't show up as myself, Mm-hmm. Then that, then how do I live in integrity? And, and one of the, the way that I think about integrity is that it's really putting the pieces integrated, mm-hmm. right? Integrity yes. and integration have the same root word. And so it's really about this wholeness. Mm-hmm. And so if we're asking people to show up authentically, how do we let them lean into that wholeness, which is doing things that feel right? them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a lot of times customer service, they're in between the brand and the customer mm-hmm. and they're asked to do things that just don't feel like integrity to them. Right. And so then they withhold their authenticity. They don't show up as themselves. And it's, it's just as a spiral. It's like a downward snow hill spiral mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. just no good. And it's also a lot of times not malicious. You know, right. it's not, it's not like we, that's what we wanted to happen, right? but it ends up, it ends up that way. And I think we've all had, you know, a position or a job or, you know, if you haven't, then you're very fortunate that you were in that position where you said, you know, I can't show up as, as Melissa or Rachel, you know, or yourself, self authentically. And um, up until a few years ago, it was almost expected, I think, in the workplace that there was a certain way that you behaved in a professional manner. Mm-hmm. And there was a, almost a business culture across every organization. And the way that organizations are doing the work now where they're saying show up authentically mm-hmm. was an anomaly then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, at least early in my career, it was. <laughs> It is it it that word professional professional and professionalism mm-hmm. is really evolving, and I think that's a lot of the hard that's a hard part right now in the workplace yes. with different generations where where professional means different things, and we can't we're not really aligned on what that means, mm-hmm. and so then authenticity kind of come becomes this I don't know poo-pooed or scary kind of thing because it doesn't feel like can you be professional and authentic right of, of course you can but there's all you know again we're human beings we create stories around what somebody living authentically yeah. looks like or you know what it the scariness that it might be for me to show up authentically then yes. I project that fear onto everything else right and yeah I mean, and are you seeing that in the businesses that you're working with now? That well, transition yeah. happening within mm-hmm. with the generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And well, and and over the last you know few years with the pandemic and then all the political and the social strife, like there has been this uprising of people yeah. wanting to be you know they want to show up as themselves. They right. they want to show up in their lives as themselves, not to mention yes. um, work. Uh-huh. Um, 
But there is, there's this big ISO like shift going on in the workplace and we were forced into it. We talked right. about it for so many years, but now we, we have to make some changes. Yes, definitely. And I think the workforce is saying that that's one of the things that I talk about as well is, you know, what are the different generations looking for? Mm-hmm. Um, and I did talk about that in one of my first shows I actually talked about, hey, they're looking for something different than what we're offering, and we're going to have to pivot as businesses. And I think you're saying the same thing. You're going to have to look at culture and your customer service and how can people show up authentically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to back up for just one second and kind of understand your story and how mm-hmm. you got here. Mm-hmm. How did you get to this topic? I mean, we were so excited about your book. We kind of jumped into I know. Like all of the deep (laughs) end of the book, which is exciting. First, what is the name of the book? And second, what is your story? That's important. It is important because it's dropping tomorrow. Yeah. So (laughs) so the book book is called Everyone is Not Like You. Um, Subtitle subtitle is Creating Creating Authenticity and Connection in Today's Workplace. And, you know, it it is, it's so... isn't it interesting to look back at like all the little moments that led to where you, where you are now? Um, So I have always been, I used to, people used to say that I was shy when I was little, but I don't think I was shy. I was just super observant. Like I would take, (sighs) take things in and process them. And so, so that's kind of, you know, when I hit that, that's where the psychology, the sociology, I've always been very interested in, in the individual and like what makes up the individual. But then when everybody comes together, like how the collective is a reflection of the individual. I mean, just that, yes, you know, that I want to say juxtaposition, but like, you know, the individual and the group, I love that, which is why I, I probably studied psychology and sociology at the same time. Um, but I, I landed in service positions. I've always been in, in some sort of customer service role. One of my, I talk about in the book, one of my like <laughs> really pivotal moments early in my, I mean, I was right out of college and I was doing event planning for government, government oh, agencies. Wow. <laughs> and so I, I was in Washington, D.C., which was really like as a like early 20s flying back and forth. I mean, because I I'm born and raised and always lived right here in the middle of, of the country in Kansas. And so I was flying back and forth to Washington, D.C. I mean, I was I was feeling pretty cool. You were fancy. You know? I was I was fancy pants. <laughs> and. Um, but I was sitting at this, we had, we had this very long department of defense. It was like five days from seven in the morning till seven at night. Um, this department of defense, uh, conference. And we were, I mean, when you're a government contractor, you run lean, right? You wear every hat you underbid at that time. You're like you underbid contracts, which means yeah. young, young labor overworked. Be yeah. <laughs> speaking of workplace culture, yeah. and um, I think I worked in that culture too early yeah. in my career. <laughs> <laughs> so many of us, uh, um, and 
I was I was across at the end of the day across the table having our kind of daily debrief with the DOD guys who were direct. I mean, they were right. direct, like mean. I I read it as mean. I think they were just direct and like result oriented. Yeah. And I they had said to you know it, it was a rough day AV wise. We were having a lot of technical issues with our with our AV, and they were kind of, they were really upset about it. And I really wanted to get around that. I was tired. I mean, I didn't know what to do with it. And so I just, I was trying to get out of the conversation and they kept going at me and going. And finally they took a breath and I said, is that all? Because that all you have. And oh my, I mean, I had no idea at that, my like zero emotional intelligence (laughs) at that point. And they ate me for lunch. And I think ever since that, I've been on this mission to like, what do I, what do I not know that I really need to know? Like, how do I be better? How do I be a better listener? How do I be better communicator? How do I not put myself in that position again? Um, Right. That's a tough lesson. Yeah. Throughout it, I think though what happened is I became less and less authentic. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. part of what happened over the years was, you know, really being able to provide wonderful service, but losing bits of myself along the way. Yes. And 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 also being encouraged in workplaces to do that. I mean, it's back to the professionalism thing. Like, right. It's not professional to show up as yourself. It's not professional to bring, you know, whatever that communication style or that value or whatever, that dream to the workplace. And I think I finally, um, after, after the birth of my first son, I thought this is not nothing. This is not fulfilling. Yeah. This kind of fake pretend life is not fulfilling. Um, And so I set out, you know, over the last 16 years to, to find what that means to have a fulfilling life. And authenticity has been such a, such a big piece of that for me. And I feel like work, like there is, there is so much opportunity in our workplaces to champion authenticity. Yes. Um, and connection that, um, but yeah, here we are. Absolutely. And I think you have taken, um, we were talking before the show because we met, uh, I think we said about five years ago Yeah, and, um, we were talking about how we've both grown, uh, in this, you know, kind of growing up phase and, the same thing that you were just talking about, you know, making those next steps and those next strides and how we both have shifted our, our focuses. And uh, we're both really excited uh, mm-hmm. for where we are. And like you, I became a coach because mm-hmm. I wanted to know why people did what they did. And mm-hmm. I started that journey when I was about 14 or 15. I kind of didn't understand people and why and why do they do the things that they do. So then 
you know, coaching Myers-Briggs, I kind of followed that, that path of anything I could put my hands on to try to better understand individuals and why they do what they do and why do we have to be that professional model that people in the workplace show us because like you, I did the same thing. I lost little pieces of myself along the way. And now I'm at a different phase in my life where I'm going back and going, I would like those pieces back. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I see that mm-hmm. in a lot of people now that are starting to kind of say, hey, I really want those pieces back. I want to be able to come to work authentically and bring all of myself, which is what made all the things on my resume. Mm-hmm. Because I would, right. I brought those things, uh, brought myself to the table and was able to create these success stories that are on my resume. And that's who you hired. Um, mm-hmm. And if you wanted that piece of me, you need to give me room. And that's yeah. what I'm hearing from a lot of people is they need room. They don't really want to leave their organizations. Yeah. They just need room to bring their full selves yeah, which I think is where so you're good. trying to go. That's so good. Isn't that so true? I mean, we do that. I do that in life where I'm like, yes. I love this part of you, but really, can I just have this part of you and not the whole, the whole of you, but just right. <laughs> give me just this part that I like. Okay. Um, and that's, the, that's just not. But you do have possible. to bring that. I mean, you have yeah. to appreciate all the different things that they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you say, oh, as, as an employer, you hire someone and say, I love all these skill sets that you bring to the table, but don't think about how the person behind it actually made those things happen. Yeah. 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 So I, absolutely- I mean, it's, it's like, it reminds me of that whole, like the iceberg. I love the iceberg, yes. you know, metaphor of how, there's so much, even for ourselves, to know about ourselves. There's uh-huh. so much discovery that can happen. But if we just yeah. invited that with every interaction, that, you know, there's so much I don't know here that they could be amazing. Yes. Um, but there's all, you know, I mean, to, to do that takes so many little, little shifts in how we think about things and, and trust and and all of that, like even the iceberg for some people is scary because of, you know, trauma that they're bringing with them, that that, that much unknown is just super scary. So, right. so how do we create, how do we make room for that? You know, how do you make room for fear and how, right. yeah. And yeah. do we talk about fear? Do we talk about fear in the workplace and say, okay, how does fear, how do we transmute that fear? Mm-hmm. Um, and make it more powerful for you? How do we change Mm -hmm. it from being fearful to something that you can use as fuel for that project? I I work that. that you're saying that. Yeah, I mean, that's what I do with my clients. I'm like, okay, you're afraid of these things. And I do it with myself. Mm -hmm. Is how do you take this fear and say, okay, I'm afraid of that, but if I'm afraid of that, I should probably go in that direction. I'm not suggesting that things that are dangerous people should do, yeah. you know, uh, but physically dangerous where they'll injure themselves or put themselves in a really 
bad situation. But if you have a project that seems really big and it's scary and fearful and, you know, you're being offered that new job that may be a little bit above your skill level, you know, how do you help them transform that fear Mm -hmm. into that next level of performance? Yeah. I love just, just the whole transmuting. Well, okay. So kind of what you're saying is transmuting the negative into fuel for positive. Exactly. this, This is a new, I mean, just really a recent discovery for me is be, is, you know, really pull, instead of protecting myself or guarding myself or like keeping big walls so that the negative doesn't come in, actually allowing it Uh and, and transmuting. So when I think, when I hear the word transmuting, I think of like quantum evolution, like we're just going to fast forward, you Mm -hmm. know, and jump, jump, jump it. Um, And really, you know, change it into something super powerful that I can use. Yes. Um, which is, you know, yeah, that's so new. I mean, that con mm-hmm. it's, it's new for the workplace. Oh, absolutely. It is. Um, from a yogi practice, you know, fear is one of the things that consistently comes up. And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, you're constantly looking at it and transforming and transmuting it to make it to find out where is the root of that fear and is it truly a fear or is it, I just don't understand where I'm, the path that I'm on right now. I can't see quite a little bit further in front of me. So it, I know when I first started my practice um, back, that was one of the things that kept coming up. And I was like, wow, how do I do that? How do I work through some of that? And it took a long time and it took a lot of practice to transition to that thought process of, well, if it's fear, Maybe what is that below the fear line, like the iceberg yeah. that you were talking about? What is below the surface that is connecting um, to me? And why am I so afraid of it? And, you know, even going into the coaching side where, you know, what is the, what are the pros and cons? Mm-hmm. What is the worst thing that could happen? And what is the best thing that can happen? Can you live with the worst thing that could happen? Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And what does that look like for your life long term? And I think organizations are having a challenge with that as well. Mm -hmm. They're having a challenge with um, stepping into that arena and transforming uh, the fear of the employees, the fear of the current economy, a lot of different things that are happening right now Mm -hmm. uh, to go forward. Yeah, because what the tools they have now are not going to work for that. Yes. Yes. And I would love to talk about that when we come back from our break. Awesome. I think this would be a great place to stop and then pick back up there. And then after break, I would love to uh, go into talking about leaders and um, why is it important that they know that not everyone is like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. Thank so you. right after this break, We will come back and talk about that. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Are you looking for an hour to allow your imagination to soar? An hour for self-care? An hour to learn something new? Join Dr. Melissa L. Strauser for conversations and stories that'll give you that hour to listen to tales of triumph and conversations about emerging topics from coaches, entrepreneurs, entertainers, authors, and everyday heroes. You'll hear about healing, change-making, resilience, and passion. We invite you to take the journey and join us for Counterbalance Conversations on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. You are tuned into Counterbalance Conversations with Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Find out more about Dr. Melissa by visiting counterbalancecoach.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Counterbalance Conversations. I am here with Rachel Keck. And before the break, we were just talking about uh, transmuting fear in the workplace. We were talking about workplace culture. We were talking about her new book. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Rachel, let's talk about we said that, you know, when we came back that we would talk about why it was important for um, employees and leaders to to understand that everyone is not like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is that important? Well, I I think one right now. I mean, you kind of alluded to the fact that we have so many generations mm-hmm. in in the workplace mm-hmm. right now. Yes. But I think also we're just getting more aware of our individuality. I think yes. the reality that we're all different. Um. I mean, you know, there's so much of us that that is the same, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. our preferences, our perspective, like we can only see things from our own lens. Um, And, you know, it's been just kind of the evolution of things. You take the, the industrial era and then move into like the scientific and all the reason and the, the really the mental um, piece. And I think we're coming into a time where the heart, I mean, we have to lead business with our heart. Yes. And um, that that is going to be the fastest and easiest way to make progress happen. Yes. Um, but we don't have those two. I mean, we're so used to leading business with our head. Um, and that's yeah. 
just, it's not going to work. I mean, you think, you know, I kind of mentioned, I, DEIB, like diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, it's not my, it's not my space, although it bumps, you know, I'm, I'm close. To right. It. Yeah. Um, and you can't do that with your head. Right. You can't do belonging with your head. I mean, you can't yes. force belonging to happen. Yes. Um, belonging is with our hearts. It's intuitive. It's, it's feeling based. Yes. Um, and so I think sometimes we're still kind of confused about, I think, I think everyone is not like you just felt bold enough to say out loud that, Hey, everyone is not like you. And so right. quit trying to figure it out with your head and maybe listen with your heart for just a sec. Do you think that people know how to do that in I a business? I, I mean, well, in yeah. society as a whole, I mean, there's, I know we have challenges with that and people are trying to do that. And I think the millennials are really fantastic yeah. with leading with their hearts. And I know it's mm -hmm. very challenging for folks that are, are boomers and Gen Xers, they're all, they're having challenges working with some of the millennials. I love the millennials personally, and mm -hmm. all of the, the generation Gen Z that's coming behind them, which I think is going to be that stabilizing force. I think uh, millennials will be the heart of the business where the, mm -hmm. the Gen Z will come behind and give a little bit of a balance to mm -hmm that heart-centered approach because, you know, we don't want to go all the way to the other side of the pendulum, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, and be mm -hmm. completely heart-centered with no, you know, head driving force mm -hmm. behind it. I think yeah. it just is going to be different. Are there specific mm -hmm. tools that you, um, that you foresee that businesses are not going to be able to live without in order to do this? Yeah, I mean, the the two things that come to mind, one you mentioned, listening. Mm -hmm. I think we all have to become better listeners, which is hard. We're, we're not trained right. to listen. I mean, you know, some of us are quasi-trained, you know, therapists and, and coaches and counselors and uh, mediators and things like that, but um, we, we've we we need to really up our listening skills and then connection i mean one of the big things i talk about in the book is a is connection and really feeling um a connectedness you know mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. feeling the connectedness of things mm -hmm. um so i think those two are so important um which which we haven't you know, we've been working in hierarchies where it's kind of a top-down um, yeah. approach, and that just is not going to work. You know, one of the things that I think is is coming down the pike is things are just going to get faster and faster. Change is going to happen. Evolution yeah. is going to happen faster and faster. Um, yes. And you're going to have fewer and fewer people yes. to to actualize you know, your business. And so um, it, it is amazing. One of my favorite quotes in the book, um, oh, one of the joys was just meeting leaders who are, who are leading really well. Um, yes. And just being surprised by these, you know, smaller and mid-sized companies where leaders are 
just leading. They're leading well. They're amazing people. Yes. Um, but but one of the leaders said, um, we we really have to learn to slow down to go fast. Um, and I think that's yeah. the listening piece for me is we have to stop being reactive. I mean, it's just not sustainable, you know, what right. we're doing now. And so we really have to slow down. We have to learn to listen. And one of the things I talk about, um, a little bit of a soapbox, is, is listening and how listening well is really a mindfulness exercise. Like, yes, it's the, the amount of information we can take in in any given moment is so big and huge and just yeah. There's a plethora coming at us, and our brains are grabbing for all of it. Yeah. But to listen well takes focus and intention. Yes. And you can't do that when you're in survival mode. Right. Right. If you're kind of scratching and clawing just to kind of keep your head above water, you know, and to kind of climb up that hill that's been put in front of you. So I, I absolutely agree with you, and I'm hearing that from a lot of employees and leaders that we really need to slow down to be a little bit more mindful and thoughtful about the next steps that we're taking. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if we can slow down, then we can move much faster once we get going. Yeah. Um, And related to the hierarchy, I'm also seeing a lot of the businesses um, work from a matrixed Mm -hmm. uh, style organization, which is, not hierarchical, it's really collaborative across the different businesses, across different divisions. Uh, we used to call it cross-functional. There's still some of that too. But I mean, mm-hmm. this is the entire organization is more cross-functional in their approach. Mm-hmm. And I know the first time okay. that I worked in that, it was so difficult because it really felt like there was not, uh, there was no one in charge is what it felt like. Um, So I I think a lot of employees have to learn, and I think there has to be trust built to work in that type of matrixed organization. You can't just go Mm -hmm. from hierarchy to matrixed without, you know, making the transition, putting in some training pieces, uh, processes to support that. So people Mm -hmm. still feel like somebody's in charge because I think we still need that final decision maker. Well, well, I mean, the matrix thing, ta- I mean, that's when I think about the uh, connectedness we need. Mm-hmm. It's that it's connectedness across the organization. It's connectedness with each other. It's connectedness with ourselves and our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think we can't make these changes without really equipping, equipping people. It just makes yeah. me so crazy when people are thrown into position and they're like, you know, drowning in the deep end and everybody's just watching that happen and they haven't, it, they just have not been equipped mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to, to, but you know, one of the things I wonder, you said, like if somebody was in charge, I wonder if, if it's a clarity, mm-hmm. if what if clarity is actually in charge? Like what if, you know, I think one, one of the brands here in Kansas city that I love and I wrote about in the book um one of the things that makes their culture so amazing and their service so amazing is that they are a system de- systems dependent company. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. everybody knows their role. They know how that role fits in with all the other roles. I mean, it's very connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
um, and very clear. And I think, I think that is what, it's not so much, you know, the, the, the direction from the top down, but it's clarity up and down and across. Absolutely. That is important. And you can only get that if you slow down and you're intentional and you create that clarity. Absolutely. Uh, A few episodes ago, one of my friends, Jessica Holtzapple was on and she, um, her company system culture growth or SCG mm-hmm. is actually doing exactly what you're talking about. That is one of her specializations. And so I would love it if you guys, um, if you listen to yeah. hers, because I think that would really connect in. I think there's a lot of really great points of connectivity between the two of you. Mm-hmm. And just as you were talking about this, I was like, Oh, there's that connection. And I mm-hmm. think even as entrepreneurs, And I think it's not just connectivity across an organization. I think it's connectivity with aligned partnerships with other businesses. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to become more global and to where, you know, adjacent industries and adjacent uh, companies are going to be part of your organization. And I think that's going to become a much broader conversation over the mm-hmm. long term. I love that. I love that so much. One of one of the things I realized recently, I was in this women's council and we went around the circle and each of us talked about the, the prompt was imagine a world that and and each woman finished like what you know with yes. whatever their lens was of what and I, I kind of went through my usual suspects of imagining a world where leaders were well-equipped and they led well and all that. Yeah. Um, but I finally said, I imagine a world with no loneliness. Oh, wow. And it just dropped me into a completely different place. And I realized, which is interesting because I start, the, like the first line in my book is, I grew up as a lonely kid. I felt really lonely in my childhood. And so I think, you know, even when you talk about adjacent businesses and businesses aligning and like businesses not having to be alone, like not only people within the business, not only leadership within the business, because that's what happens a lot. Leaders, you know, the leaders at the top, yeah. especially in, in mid-sized, smaller and, and mid-sized businesses. It's a very lonely, ends yes. up being a very lonely position. Yes. And um, that that is the world that I imagine, a connectedness mm-hmm. inside and outside. And we're always open and, and receiving the opportunity of connection. Yes. yes. And I, I think that's a beautiful vision for, you know, for you to, you know, kind of put your book out into the world in this grand, I think that's a fantastic vision. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking about whenever you were talking about the loneliness, there are so many entrepreneurs that have Mm -hmm. that disconnected feeling and disconnectedness. And I don't remember the statistics, but I read something um, about a month ago about how many entrepreneurs are suffering with depression and are suicidal mm-hmm. and uh, how many, how many entrepreneurs we lost in the last two years because yeah. they just felt so alone in their endeavor. 
Uh, They didn't have those communities because a lot of people do like chamber events and rotary events and networking events and community type things as an entrepreneur to kind of keep themselves motivated, make their connections. And it became very lonely for a lot of the entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. in in the states that were not able to um, hold those business meetings and they couldn't figure out the virtual and it was difficult because you know, those first few months, we couldn't figure out how we could make all of this work. And then innovations happened and as they Mm -hmm. always do. Um, But I think that Mm -hmm. having that connectedness and having stronger bonds across businesses and industries, I think are going to be super important. Yeah. Well, and it it go, it also goes back to the coaching piece, you know, about, I, I think, the disconnection happens when we get stuck living only in our heads mm-hmm. and we've come, you know, disconnected from our heart or our, our intuition or our knowing, mm-hmm. or, you know, when we've disconnected inside from that stuff, um, that actually radiate. I mean, not only does it create things inside of you like depression and anxiety and yeah, and um and perfectionism and all all, all the things yes um yes. but that stuff it permeates workplace cultures yes yeah yeah and you just did something for um enterprise bank you just yeah. did a really great workshop it sounded like yeah, about workplace you. culture mm-hmm. um you sent me the description of it and i was like wow i want to attend that so is that something that you do on a regular basis with uh, organizations? Do you go into the organizations mm-hmm. and actually work with them? Yeah. Yeah. So so a lot of times, like my entry point with um, leaders and, and, and companies is either they're growing and they, um, they're growing and they love their culture and they want to kind of figure out how to keep their culture as they grow. Right. Um, so, so sometimes that, that, that is how I'll, I'll start talking to people. Mm-hmm. Other times it's, it's the river. It's just not working. Like what the culture they have now is not going to be the culture that's going to get them over the next hurdle or to the next goal, you know, over the next three years or five years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a lot of times that culture piece is, is an entry conversation. Um, but, you know, when it, when that, it, and then the other way I end up talking to people is about customer experience. Like they're small and mid-sized businesses that really just want to level up mm-hmm. their customer experience. They really want to think about how to do that well. And, um, but regardless of how I, I meet people, I always say, you know, especially if it's a company that, that loves their culture and they really want to, you know, find a way to make it stick as they grow. Um, My, my feeling is always let's, let's, before we work with the leaders to kind of line that all out, why don't we talk to the people at the front line? Let me do some work with the people at the front line to find out the culture you actually have first. Right. (laughs) Because I know you say that you have, you know, this, this culture, whatever it is, you know, integrity right. and, and resourcefulness and creativity and innovation, whatever it is. Right. Um, All the values like, you know, and the mission. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's, let's get the, let's get the word on the street. Let's see how the people that are in between you and your customers 
what what is the culture they experience? <laughs> right. When I'm doing some strategic planning with businesses and organizations, a lot of times I like, hey, can I talk to, you know, a few people? It doesn't have to be everybody. We don't have to do a whole survey of your company. But can I talk to a few people and, and see if where you're at is working and what yeah. isn't working? Mm-hmm. And then go from there. But a lot of times the, you know, and what do they want? I yeah. think that is a critical piece mm-hmm. that a lot of businesses right now are missing. They're saying we think they want X, Y, and Z, but they're not asking. Yeah. Oh my God. And they're not listening. They're not talking to the business, the people that work for them. Which is an integrity issue. I mean, in in my book, that's an integrity issue. And what's so, I mean, I get it too, because I grew up, I grew up believing that loving somebody is taking responsibility for them. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense as a leader to feel responsible for your people. Um, and so you wouldn't want to ask because then what if that somebody tells me something and I can't do anything about it or it's a no or yeah whatever. Um, and but m- what a missed opportunity. But sometimes just right? the asking yeah. is enough. Yeah. Even if you can't do anything about it, the asking is sometimes enough. Now, I mean, if you have the capability and the resources as a leader or an organization to do it, then, you know, in my opinion, if you have those capabilities, you should do it yeah. uh, if it's what your people are looking for. But sometimes as a business, especially in the times that we're in right now, some businesses are financially strapped for cash. They don't have that, um, you know, that funding to do the things that they would like to do. And it's not always beanbags and coffee shops, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, some deeper things. It's like, Mm -hmm. I want more feedback from my manager face to face. Yeah. And it's not more money. A lot of times, like, like you're saying, it's not the, the material things. It's deeper down things. And, but, you know, but you're, I mean, the asking holds so much weight that many times it doesn't, you know, what comes after it, it doesn't matter because you ask, you actually ask and you listen. Right. And if you Um, ask and you, you then you have to respond in some way and mm -hmm. say this, we can do this year, this we can maybe do next year. This is not within this this is not something that we're able to do for X, Y, Z reason, but I mean, addressing it and saying, this is why I think is a missed opportunity as well, because um, I know I've done engagement surveys for years and years and years, you know, as you know, the training department always was tasked with that. And the thing that people would say back to me is people do not want us to, um, I don't want to do it because no one will listen. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so so that's our biggest thing. Well, it's, it's so with the thing that I've noticed when you, when you put together listening and authenticity uh-huh. is that that clarity and transparency that you're talking about mm-hmm. in, in whatever it is, leadership or training yeah. or just everyday working. But right. when you're listening well and you're showing up authentically the transparency and clarity are outcomes 
yes. of showing up that way, of listening yes. better and showing up authentically. I mean, that's been the case for me. There's so yeah. much that went out used to go on in my head that never, ever left my mouth. Uh-huh. But now more and more, it's like, I will say, I'm going to say, this is, this is the story I'm creating in my head, or this is my plan. Like, this is how I envision things happening, or this right. is what's the ideal situation for me. I don't know if it's possible, but this is ideal. Right. Our hour has gone so quickly. So in the last, in the next, say, minute and a half, could you give me just a couple of things that you would like for them to remember, for the audience to remember, like, where to get your book uh, tomorrow? Yeah. Or something else? Yeah, I just, I would encourage everyone, you know, this, this whole conversation of authenticity and integrity and connection is just to pay attention to themselves. Like, you know, you know. You have a knowing of, of all of that. So um, so you can get, so Amazon, you can search everyone is not like you and it will be there for you. Um, and I would love, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's a great place to find me, Rachel Laser Keck. I love, I love connecting, obviously. So, yes. Yeah, yes. Reach out. And, and I am so grateful that you came on the show today, Rachel. Mm, this has been you. Such a fantastic and fun conversation, as it always is when we get together. <laughs> I think we could talk for hours. I know. And um, I, I'm so excited for your book and so proud for all of the the work that you've put into it and how it's coming uh, to fruition. And mm-hmm. uh, this was such a deep and engaging conversation that I think is uh, going to pay dividends for um, the listeners and we have so many people on Facebook who are, are chiming in today. Awesome. So, um, so I wanted to thank you again for being on the show. Thank and, you. Thank you for having me, Melissa. And for my listeners, thank you so much for joining us again this week for Counterbalance Conversations. Uh, I'm, you can find me at Counterbalance Coach. Dot com, the new website. I'll have the blog there. You can also find um, Counterbalance Conversations wherever you download your podcast. And if you have the capability, please rate it. So that would mean a lot to us. And you can also find me on Facebook and uh, Instagram at Counterbalance Coach. Thank you so much. And I will be talking to you next week um, about gratitude. And it will be a conversation with just me and you next week, right before the holidays. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to Counterbalance Conversations. Be sure to join your host, Dr. Melissa L. Strauser, for another inspiring show next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next program, be well, be inspired, be the counterbalance.